tonight, first of all, give our worship team a hand. They're, they're going to come back in a few more minutes and, and uh, we'll, we'll sing. You can be seated. But listen, tonight I, I really feel a stirring, and, and this is going to be something that comes out of me that's been stirring for a lot of years. Uh, this isn't, I didn't get frustrated yesterday and uh, write a message. Uh, I didn't get upset two weeks ago and write a message, but this is something that's been stirring in me. I, I've been in ministry now for just a few years, and, and I say that because uh, sometimes you meet a, a person that's been in ministry for, for, for a year or two years, and you're like, how long have you been at Evangel? And I'm like, 18 years. And they're like, wow, man, you're like an old fogey in the ministry. And I go to this, this youth pastor meeting on, uh, about once every couple of months, and, and I'm like the one guy who's been sitting around that table forever. And uh, all these young guys that are in the ministry, and they've got all these new ideas and, and all these great, you know, and I, they're like, what do you think, Pastor Chris? Man, you're still doing youth ministry. Are you ever going to get out of youth ministry? And, uh, you know, but, but I, I've been just a lot of years, I, I've, I watch people uh, do this thing uh, in, in the church world, Christianity, and serve God to the best of our ability. But, but obviously, in, in serving God, you watch people in their faith do things, and you watch mistakes take place, and you watch people miss the blessings that God has for them. So tonight is not going to be theological at all. It's not going to be doctrinal. It's not going to be deep. Uh, but I believe it is going to help you. It's going to be instructive, and it's going to be more from a teaching heart. And I, I try to teach, but Jim Rayleigh has said this for years. The only difference between teaching and preaching is preaching's yelling it, teaching's telling it. But I, he also said some of us like to treach, and so this is going to be more of a treach. So I'm going to teach and yell at the same time because that's all I know how to do. Uh, so anyway, I'm going to just, I believe I'm going to leave you with something tonight that's going to help you to not miss blessings. How many want a blessing from God? And I believe those of you that are watching online right now, I believe that you uh, sit in a place with a love for God, but you're wondering how in the world God can use me to bless other people. And so I want to talk to you just for a few minutes uh, about, about love and, and truly that love being poured through our lives. And, and before I do, I just want to talk about this loving people thing because loving people can be crazy. And, and uh, I believe, as I said, that, that God will save us so that we go to heaven, but God also wants to use us to get other people to heaven. But what that includes and what that entails is us loving people. Now, how many can say at some point in time, now, of course, last Sunday I prayed this. I said, you know, before prayer, I challenge us all to, to love everybody, to love all people, everybody matters, and, and to stamp out racism. You know, we, I gave that appeal, we prayed. And I've had a lot of people comment to me all week long about that prayer, about how much they loved it, and about loving people and all those things. And I've also had people say, Pastor Chris, you made the statement that, that you, you hear, hear people say, and it's not true, it's not accurate, that I love somebody, but I don't like them. How many of you heard that last week that, that I made that statement? How many of y'all are like, uh, I love him, but I don't like him still, no matter what you say. Uh, we got some honesty in the room. And so they were, some people have defined to me and for me what loving and, and liking is all about. But, but so, so I can ask this truthfully. How many of you have loved somebody, but said before you don't like them? Come on, raise your hand. We probably have all made that statement at some point. And, and listen, when I say that, we always preach and say things as pastors. I know I can at least speak for myself. I say things that the Holy Spirit has gotten on to me about. The Holy Spirit has corrected me. And before we always go to the woodshed in, in a pulpit and talk to people, listen, our toes have been stepped on first in our own time with God. And I see Pastor Gary nodding his head, and many people that preach will tell you because none of us are perfect. And so we've all been in a place like that. And why is it hard sometimes to love people but still like them or just to love them in, in, just in general? And I'll tell you why. Because people are crazy. We're, I'm crazy. People are crazy. 
And, and I just was thinking about the ways that people are crazy. And, and I just wrote down a few things, and I know this is off the wall, but these are things that I notice. Man, people talk to themselves all the time and make you feel awkward. Isn't that true? Man, I've been in Walmart, and some person's like in the aisle next to me, and they're talking, and they're going through things. I'm like, excuse me, sir? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to myself. Like, or I'm on my Bluetooth. Have you ever had that happen before? I'm sorry, I'm not talking to you. I'm on my Bluetooth. <laughs> You know, people talk to themselves, and it makes you feel awkward at times. And, and uh, you, know, you know, I do this all the time, and, and uh, it's funny, but we throw away boxes of food, and then we begin to cook, and then we have to go dig it back out of the trash to read the instructions. Anybody do that? I'm not the only one. We just, we do weird stuff. We beep at someone at a light. Now, I, you probably did this yesterday, or maybe you're on your way to church, but you beep at somebody because you're frustrated. They're on the phone. You can see their head down, or you pull up beside them, and you see them on their phone, and you're beeping at them to get them to go and move. And then the very next light, you get the most important text message ever, and you have to check it, and then someone's beeping for you to move. Anybody ever had that happen before? Only three people in the room was really saved and telling the truth. We immediately check the plate. This just happened the other night. I was at a Mexican restaurant. They come and bring the plate, and for some reason in these restaurants, I'm like the biggest Mexican fan in the world. My stomach speaks Spanish, but I don't. <laughs> but the Mexican restaurant, they bring the food, and they say, it's the, the, plate is hot, the, the, hot, the plate is hot, sir, don't touch the plate. And for some reason, something inside of me has to touch the plate to prove they weren't lying. Has that happened to anybody? You're right, exactly right, sir. It, it was really hot. I do this, I, 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 listen, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm talking about myself. I walk three miles in a circle in a 100 square foot room while I talk on the cell phone. Does anybody else do that? My, my iPhone, my, my, uh, my, my watch my, tells me like when I've reached my activity and if I have two or three phone calls by like 11 a.m. in the morning, it tells me you've reached your activity for the day because I've walked in three miles of circles talking on the phone. Now listen to this, now, now I want some truth in the room. We are 100% sure about things until we, be, until we end up being 100% wrong. We are 100% sure until at the end of the day we're like, man, I was 100% wrong. Our assumptionator is broken. We assume things and it's broken. We assume things that aren't true. So we assume that something's right, then it's wrong. We are nicer to strangers than we are to the people closest to us. How often do we open the door for a stranger, but we don't open the door for our wife? How often do we tell someone we're sorry, but we don't tell our own children we're sorry? I read a story a few years ago of a mom. She was running through an airport. It's a true story. She was running from one gate to the other, and she ran into a man. And when she ran into him, she dropped her, her, her satchel full of papers, and he dropped his papers. And they were scattered all over the place, and they were picking them up. And she was apologizing the entire time. It says, my fault. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to run into you. I'm in a rush. I'm trying to get home, and I'm so sorry, and helps the man up, gets him on his way, and then she gets her stuff. She gets on to her plane. She makes it home in time enough to make dinner, and while she's running around the kitchen to make dinner, her little three-year-old comes running into the kitchen to hug her mom and is so excited that her mom is home, and her mom goes and turns around to do something on the stove and knocks her three-year-old on the ground, and she begins to yell at her daughter, and what are you doing? Why are you in the way? I'm trying to fix dinner for you, and, and this little exchange takes place. The little three-year-old runs off into her room. And later on, the mom goes and checks on her, and there's a little flower that's all broken and messed up that her daughter went to go bring her. And conviction hit her and realized that I ran into somebody, a complete stranger in the airport, and treated them better than I treat my own love of my life and my three-year-old daughter. Many times, we as people treat strangers better than we treat those that are closest to us. We as people can be crazy. 
We can do things that we regret. We can do things that we wish we could get back. You know, as a matter of fact, I, I am probably one of the craziest of all people. I, I'm, I'm a germaphobic person, like in certain areas. It's weird. Like I, I walk into a restaurant and I never go to the bathroom. Some of you, if you go eat with me or you see me in a restaurant, you're going to watch to see if I do this next time. But I sit down at the table, I look through the menu, I saw something years ago, I read something, that the menu is the dirtiest thing in the restaurant. All of you that are in the restaurant business are going, yes it is, it's disgusting. You're confirming my germaphobic ways. And so I, I open the menu, I, I order my food, and then I go to the bathroom and I go wash my hands. But then I come back to the table and I don't like straws, so I never drink from a straw. So my wife's like, you don't like touching the menu, but you drink from, a, nobody puts their mouth on a menu. But you, you drink from, so listen, I'm very inconsistent in my germaphobic ways. I get that. I'm a weird, very strange person. As a matter of fact, I pass my germaphobic ways on to my kids. As I raised all four of them, the very first time that they can walk and they can use the bathroom in a public place, I'm like putting 70 layers of toilet paper on the toilet before they sit down. Anybody else have that ridiculous habit? And so like they go to sit down and I, I scare them all to death, give them a heart attack as I'm saying, no, don't sit down. I'm like, what in the world, dad? And I, I lay down all the toilet paper. And so one time I come home and a couple of years ago, well, this, I guess it's a few years ago, uh, my youngest, I, I went into the bathroom after her at home, walked into her bathroom in her room. She's like two or three years old. I walked in there 70 layers of toilet paper in our bathroom at our house. And my wife just looks at me like, seriously? You know, like I taught her that. We have very weird ways. But I, I just want to challenge you tonight as we talk about people, because I'm going to talk about, I'm talking about people now, but I'm going to jump to two, two other types of people. But before I do, I just want to lay the foundation. As people, we can be normal, we can be weird, we can be skeptical, we can be cynical, we can be positive, we can be in shape, we can be out of shape, we can be consistent, we can be inconsistent, we can be spiritual, we can be non-spiritual, we can be hateful, we can be happy, we can be hopeful, hopeless, fearful, fearless. We can be all of those things, but listen, at the end of the day, none of those things disqualify anybody from being loved. Because the truth is, as weird as society is, as apolitical, non-political, political correct, as we see our society as frustrating Facebook and social media is, as frustrating as the news, fake news, real news is, as frustrating as politicians, non-politicians, athletes, non-athletes, pastors, apostles, as frustrating as all people are, bosses at work, teachers, professors, the truth is, no matter how crazy somebody is, it should never disqualify them from being loved by you, me, and ultimately Jesus. Amen? So as that foundation is laid and we know that we gotta love people, I wanna talk to you just for a few minutes about pastors, pews, and people. Pastors, pews, and people. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about pastors for just a few minutes, but I gotta lay down some groundwork and like give you a disclaimer, because this, I said this earlier on purpose. I didn't write this message because somebody frustrated, I didn't get a bad phone call yesterday and want everybody tonight on my soapbox to feel sorry for pastors. Is every, can everybody say amen and nod your head? Again, I told you, this has stirred me for years because I watch people miss their blessings. I encounter and I'm involved. As a matter of fact, many times I steal church people's blessings. So tonight I'm preaching a message so that I don't steal anybody's blessings anymore. I don't want to rob you of your opportunity for God to bless you. I don't want to rob you of an opportunity for God to bless your home, your family, your finances, your job, every area of your life. I don't want to be a thief. I want to make sure that I give and put in front of you these opportunities. So this is the disclaimer. Listen, as pastors, I don't want to uh, 
to, to take away the esteem that you have for a pastor. I don't want to in any way reduce the, the, the adoration and the love and the esteem that Scripture says we should show honor to where honor is due. And we should certainly honor pastors. We should honor those in ministry. So I want you to understand that that's my heart. But I also don't want you to think that we're having a pity party up here either. That we sit up here on our hands or on a soapbox and that we want anyone to feel sorry for us in ministry or as a pastor. So there it is. There's the caveat. There's the disclaimer. So now I'm going to move on. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11 through 16, it says this. So Christ himself gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity and in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now many times we talk about how those giftings are given to equip the body of Christ for the saints in the church. We read that scripture. Now I'm going to talk about this for a moment, but I want to read the rest of this passage in its context. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there in every wind teaching by the cunning and the craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Now we have a, 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 an incredible responsibility as pastors to equip you not only for the work of the ministry, but equip you so you're not deceived by some crazy TV preacher. Listen, for years I've watched people, at 2 o'clock in the morning you can see, and I'm not going to give any of their names because I don't do that, but you'll probably know who I'm talking about that are selling little vials of water that's from some crazy place and some formula that's going to pop the deaf ears open off of your deaf son or daughter. And listen, that's not real. Or to pledge a hundred or a thousand dollars, and if you do so, to our ministry, God's going to heal somebody in your life. That's nowhere in Scripture. I do believe in being sacrificial, I believe in being obedient, but nobody should be dictating what you give for a miracle. And so we equip you so you're not, you're, by cunningly schemed up ideas that you're not deceived by those, or even by people that are in your face that could talk to you, that could, could have a relationship with you. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, and each part does its work. That is so vitally important for us to understand tonight. That we are to equip the entire body of Christ, all the fingers, the legs, the arms, the eyes, the nose, equip the entire body of Christ. You may have a gifting in the body of Christ that will never be on a platform and never be on TV, and you may never make it in the newspaper, but your gifting was given by you in the thumbprint of God so that you could build up the body of Christ and that you could do a good work that's the work that God's called you to and not give it off to somebody else. God calls us many times, as a matter of fact, I meet way more needs in my ministry off and away from the pulpit than I ever do behind the pulpit. I do more, way more for Jesus away from the pulpit preaching in one-on-one -on -one conversations and one-on-one counseling sessions and one-on-one phone calls and one-on-one messaging and in the streets and the communities. I do more for God in those moments than I ever would just behind a pulpit. The hidden things are the things that God gets the most glory. We always want to be patted on the back. We always want someone to talk about us. But truthfully, do we do it for the kingdom or do we do it for we can be esteemed in front of people? And are we upset because we're not esteemed in front of people? God wants us to equip pastors have an obligation and a biblical duty. I will stand before God on judgment day and he will judge me as pastor on how well did you equip the body of Christ to do the work of the ministry. 
So listen, I, I know that as being a pastor, now again, here I get to the things that can make you think that I'm giving a pity party, but I'm gonna let you know. As a pa- listen, I wasn't raised in a pastor's home. I, I tell Pastor Jordan all the time, I say, listen, you would only have one, you have two. And I'm not sure how many more for, for Pastor Cecil, but I knew Pastor Cecil very well, knew Pastor Gary, and know him very well, obviously, and know who Jordan is. And I tell him all the time, buddy, it is, you are blessed. And I don't mean this sarcastically, he is blessed to be able to have a foundation laid before him and have a lineage, a Levitical anointing that's passed on to him. I'm starting from scratch. I wasn't brought up in a home where there was like pastor school. I didn't go to Pastor 101. I, I, like, I didn't read some book one day. And obviously I've been mentored and been around people. But listen, I've missed it in a lot of ways. I never read it in like some Pastor 101 book, the 11th commandment. Because evidently this is a commandment somewhere. Now, I know all of you really spiritual people on Sunday night and those of you watching online, this doesn't apply to anybody in the room. But the 11th commandment of ministry, and I've learned this, it's like I I know it by heart now. Pastors and their families have to be perfect. (laughs) Does anybody in the room believe that? Oh, see, this is the spiritual group. That's what I'm talking about. This is all the people who, who, who uh, you, you all are a real spiritual group, and I'm glad you're here tonight. But I'm gonna tell you, listen, I, I've just been in moments, and I know that I've heard people, pastors in the ministry, share a lot of stories. I have been in a restaurant, walked out of a restaurant, and someone say to me, I watched you just to see what kind of tip you left on the table. It's been said to pastors, we, we watch you in Walmart's parking lot just to see if you put the shopping cart back. I've watched you coach a football game and I've just to see if you yell at somebody. I'm like, you come back tomorrow and you'll totally see it. (laughs) You may not have seen it today, but you can see it tomorrow. Because if you're looking for imperfection in my life, you're gonna find it. If you're looking for a reason to not serve God, you you look no further, you'll see it in Chris Cruz. So I've learned just in the ministry over the years, people expect us to be perfect, but I'm telling you, there's not a pastor on this planet that is at superhero status that that is imperfect. That is perfect. We are all imperfect. We are, none of us have reached some incredible nirvana where we don't sin, where we don't get angry or aggravated or frustrated or even our kids. As a matter of fact, I walked by somebody this morning that had an interaction with one of my kids and and they said, you know what? They said their name and said, you know what? I didn't even mention their name. I'm not going to say it anymore. And I, and I, because I say to people all the time, if my kids do something normal, I'm not going to get on to them. Because if I get on to them for every single thing I hear about at church, my kids would hate church. (laughs) My kids would hate the ministry. I'm just being real with you tonight. So I get on to my kids about being disrespectful, about sinful things. I get on to my kids about when they're out of line. But if my kids just do normal things that all the other normal kids do, I'm not gonna get on to them because every single eye of the church is watching our children. Can you imagine Pastor Gary raising up Jordan, all the stories I heard of Jordan over the years? (laughs) Pastor Randy, Miss Kate, all the stories, kids getting kicked out of Royal Rangers, all this stuff. I mean, like, I had a horrible problem with Gavin when he was in the nursery. I can pick on Gavin a little bit, he's not here anymore. He may be watching live stream right now in his room and he hears dad telling the story. But Gavin had a horrible biting problem in the nursery. We got a text message or a phone call every single service, Gavin's biting another kid in the nursery. When we dropped Gavin off at pre-K, I I was so worried about what was gonna happen. I'm like, he is gonna get kicked out of school at four years old and never be welcome back ever. And he's probably even gonna get kicked out of homeschool and that's with me and his mom, you know? But listen, so listen, our kids aren't perfect, pastors aren't perfect. 
So I can tell you as, as someone who's learned, I'm just going to tell you if we're looking for it, there's imperfection in the ministry. There's imperfection in evangelists. There's imperfection in prophets and prophetess. There's imperfection in deacons and life group teachers and Sunday school teachers. We're all imperfect in this life. So if you're looking for it and you're looking for a reason, I'm telling you, you will find it in us because we certainly are that. But this is the thing I've realized. If there was ever a reality show that would like make a ton of money, it would be a reality show following a pastor's family. It really would. Like, I can't imagine the reality, like, the ratings you would get on watching when my kids thought in our house that God was standing in the living room reading the scriptures to my kids because they thought they were bad that day. Because I was playing on a phone, I was playing the scriptures, and they really thought that God was reading to them the Bible in our house, alive, like in studio, reading it to them. Like, that would have been hilarious. Like, the ratings would have been off the charts. Or the times that our kids say stuff that you're like, Man, Pastor Chris's kids will never say that. They have said it. <laughs> They've said it, and our eyebrows have gone, where did you hear that from? We've had those conversations. Are there times when your kids steal something from a department store, and you get out of the car, and you're like, how do you have that? They're like, it was mine, I wanted it. You're like, dear God, somebody was watching me in the store, wondering if Pastor Chris is perfect, and they saw you steal this. Go put it back and go tell the story. I'm sorry I stole it, I didn't mean to, I broke a commandment, you know what I mean? Like, we have that too. Or even the reality of the disappointments and the things that people would watch in pastors' homes and it would cause them to lose respect in a pastor. Like when a son or daughter rebels from the faith. And I've got news for you tonight about pastors. Again, they're imperfect. Sons and daughters sometimes in pastors' homes, they do rebel. There are things, and people say, I can't believe that that pastor's son or daughter, and I'm saying this in defense of every single pastor in the earth. I don't know anybody personally right now that's walking through this situation, not defending anyone, but I'm telling you, I say this in defense of them. As people watch with judgment to a pastor and say, how dare their son or daughter walk away from God? They must not be reading the word in the home. There must be a culture or an atmosphere in the home that caused and, and gave way to the enemy and opened a door for the enemy. Well, why don't you tell that to heaven? Because the last I checked, heaven was perfect. There's no sin. There's no, nothing that God would ever have done in the perfect home of heaven that ever set a foundation or an atmosphere or a culture other than complete perfection. And Satan still rebelled. Because the seed of rebellion is real. And it can happen anywhere and at any time. And truthfully, the seed of rebellion lives in every single one of us have the seed of the prodigal that live within us. We all have the individual opportunity to either allow that seed to be watered and germinate and grow or to make it die, a decision every day to die to that seed, to die every day to pick up my cross and follow him. Every one of us have a responsibility to that. So I defend pastors who don't have per perfect homes. Is that okay tonight? So pastors, I'm sure that there would be people disappointed in, in seeing those things. See, this is the truth about pastors. The role of a pastor is not to be perfect, but to be perfect in pursuit of God. Perfect means as perfect as we possibly can be. Pastors are not the answer. We are pointing the pew, the people, to the answer. We are not on a pedestal to be worshipped or lived through vicariously in your relationship with Jesus. We're trying to remove the pedestals and the idols so people can see Jesus and put him on the pedestal. I say this often and some, listen, can only confirm their feelings about me. People that feel this way are about me already, I just confirm it tonight. I say this, I, I, I am not... I am not a, uh, in any way or shape or form in my life wanting glory because I know who I am. I know who I was. I'm just a donkey carrying Jesus into Jerusalem the best that I can. 
And some say, I know you're a donkey. King James Version. <laughs> Shame on you for those of you that thought that. But I am. See, it's the reverse in some people. See, some people try to be riding Jesus into Jerusalem and they want the glory. Whoever that is, whether they're in ministry or not in ministry. But truthfully, pastors, I believe, in a humble heart are just trying to carry Jesus into Jerusalem the best that they can. We are here to teach, preach, disciple, build up, and make the church a force to be reckoned with in all of hell. We do not have every answer to every solution or the help that we have in us and our own resources are just around us. This is why Paul made the statement. So Christ himself gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip the people, the pew, for the work of the ministry so the kingdom of God can be built up. Again, my goal is not to get a pity party or to give a pity party or to belittle pastors. As a matter of fact, I believe I loved, if you heard what Michael Culiona said this morning, he said, wait, 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 God just checked me, he rebuked me. Did you hear him say that this morning? He started to call people to the front to pray for them. This is why he said it. He said, I want you to stay in your seat and I want the saints. He said, this is the hour that God is calling the saints to do the work. See, I believe that God is mobilizing the force the pastors, the evangelists, the prophets, I believe he's mobilizing the church to say, tell the pew that it's important that we understand the pastors don't do all the work, it's the people in the pew that are equipped to do the work. Because me, myself, can only reach a few people. I have a heart for them all, but I can only reach a few people. The pew has to be mobilized to get to the people. See, the pastor, we are to equip you we're to mobilize you, to encourage you, to support you, to give you every, res every resource possible to get you to take what's in the pew and in the altars and get it outside the doors and to go tell the people. Can you say amen tonight? Now I just wanna talk about the pew for just a moment. Just, just bear with me. As a matter of fact, worship team, you can come. I'm gonna hasten to a close. See, James, James talked about something so powerful and I've read this, uh, I don't wanna say a million times, that would be an, an I'll be exaggerating, but I've read it many, many times in James, and it's never stuck out like this to me. But James 5.17 says this, Elijah was a human being. That's interesting. James would take only a few chapters that he has to write of the most important topics that he could leave you with in his epistle. And this is what James says. Elijah was nothing but a mere human you know why I believe he picked Elijah to talk about of all people? Because Elijah was somebody who really made things happen. He prayed to stop rain and prayed for rain to come. He, he spoke to storms and to weather and weather obeyed him. We all think today in modern day and even in biblical times when this is being written, while if somebody can command the weather, they must be like a God or a little God. But James says, he brings Elijah on mine and your level and says, Elijah was a human being, even as you, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced crops. You know what he's saying? James is saying that whatever Elijah could do, you could do. Whatever the prophet could do, you could do. Whatever he was equipped to do, you also, like him, are equipped to do the same work. Elijah's no better than you. He's not in some hall of fame that you can never achieve. He's not superhero or he's not robotic. He's not a small g of a God. Elijah is a human being in human flesh just like us. And everything he accomplished and the ear that he had of God is the same ear that you can have of God. So the things that God calls you in the pew to go do for the people is something that you can do that the pastor doesn't have to do.
Again, I'm telling you tonight, this has been stirring to me for a lot of years because I feel like me and some of us pastors have stolen and robbed the blessings of some of the people. For years I watched, and, and I, I know that it comes out of me and I can't help it because it had such an impact on my life, but, but Pastor Cecil, I watched for years. A, a homeless or a transient would come by the church as we have hundreds and hundreds of transients come by the church every year. Hundreds. I don't even know the numbers, but it's a lot. Every week, we're buzzed in our offices to come and talk to a, someone, a transient, someone in need. And we walk out, and Pastor Cecil, many times I would be talking to somebody, and he would overhear the conversation. And he would call me back to his office, and I would walk by, and he would take a $100 bill out of his wallet. He would say, go give this to him, and don't tell him where it came from. There many times that I watched Pastor Cecil pay for the mortgages of people's homes. Because would come to the church, what would happen is someone would hear of a need and they would bring it to pastor. And rather than them feeling the inclination or they would feel like, you know what, I want to step up to the plate. I want to be the church because the church isn't a building. The church isn't a pastor. The church, the body says we are equipped as the church to do the work of the ministry. And the church is people and not buildings. The church is you and not offices. The church is, is Pastor Cecil as well. The church is me. But we're not the only ones that can meet needs. Amen. So Pastor Cecil would watch, literally, him write a check and hand deliver it so that a mortgage could be taken care of. And you could never say that while he was here because I would be fired tomorrow. <laughs> but you know what? I love to celebrate and honor a man that lived this to the fullest. He truly did. And, and I know that many of you know that. But sadly, Pastor Cecil probably got the blessing in his life that was supposed to go to somebody else because the pew took the people's need to the pastor and the pastor got the blessing. Because the truth is, the people out in our communities, there's a lot of need. The church does not have the money to meet every single need in the city. So what happens is when somebody goes and gets the need and brings it back to the church and the church can't meet the need, guess who's stuck to meet the need? And if we don't meet the need, then they don't love God. They blame the church. They blame God. So many times we carry out. And I'm telling you tonight, what I, what I say this from the heart, is I really want the church to be mobilized in a place where you feel equipped and you feel empowered and you realize that there's such a blessing in store for your life. When the pew goes to the people and watches the blessings that flow through your life. Can you say amen tonight? I've got to hurry up, but... but and finish this and, and I gotta be quick. I got so much to say, but, but such little time to say it. You know, the people, a few years ago, I, I, was, uh, I went to a restaurant right after church and uh, I was, uh, of course, the person standing out there in need saw all of the people with, with uh, clothes like I'm wearing right now, assumed that they're coming from church and, and you could see inside of the restaurant there were a ton of church people in there. And as I walked up, this guy walked up to me, he had really long hair, he, he, he smelled really bad and, and uh, was just, just in a really bad place. And he said, excuse me, uh, can, can you help me? I, I just, I just want to I, I get a meal. And I said, yeah, um, what, what's your name? And I began to talk to him, because and, and, uh, I, I don't usually ever give people money. I'll meet their need, but I don't give money. I don't want to support a drug habit unless God were to tell me to give them money. So I said, so what's your name? And he said, Jesus. And I said, man, I 100% going to meet your need right now. You know, I mean, maybe I'm entertaining Jesus. Maybe he came down here to test me or whatever. So I'm like, I'm like listen, I'm going to do better than getting you a meal. I'm, I'm going to be right back. So I go into the grocery store. Uh, it was near a grocery store. I, I, buy, I buy like a couple of bags of groceries. I bring them back to him. I say, here's some groceries. And the dude starts getting, getting a little emotional. He's like, wow. He says, you know, um, 
you know, all day long I've been sitting here or for a few hours and been asking people to, to help me. And all they say is they're inviting me to their church. Hey, if you come to my church tomorrow, my pastor can help you. If you come to my church tomorrow, our church can help you. And that's true. The church building and the church people can probably help. But it was sad to see how many people missed their blessing. And this is just how I feel. I believe that God sends those to the people he trusts. I believe my, and my kids, and I, I've taught my kids this all the time. I walk into different places, and, and all the time, every single place we go to, almost unfailing, someone walks up and asks for help, and it's always different help. And how many know people will come up to you for what they want, but we have to make sure they leave with what they need? A lot of people will come for what they want, and Jesus was like the professional of that. They came to him and, and were hungry, and, and the disciples said, should we go off and get him food? And they were all hungry, and, and see, Jesus gave them what they wanted, but he made sure they left with what they needed. The woman with the issue of blood, she was crawling through the crowd, and she wanted to touch the hem of Jesus' garment, and she came for what she wanted, healing, but she left with what she needed, a completely changed life for eternity. See, people come to us for what they want, but we have to realize in the people business, we have to give them what they need. And see, I love the story of the woman with the issue of blood as she crawled through the crowd. It was so inconvenient for that woman. See, Jesus, I believe, strategically and intentionally went to the woman at the well, and Jesus had this miracle, and he was very intentional. But this miracle, you can tell that Jesus was walking away, and it says the woman pressed through the crowd, and he stopped and said, who touched me? Jesus wasn't looking for this encounter. This encounter found Jesus. And this is the truth, church, is many times God encounters come in very inconvenient times. They're not on our calendar. They're not in our appointment book. We have to be ready and able to do whatever it takes to meet a need. You have to make your hands and your feet. And it's not always monetarily. I believe that God will allow someone to come to you to ask you to help them meet a need when you can meet their need. Sometimes they're asking for $5 and you lead them to Jesus. They came to you for what they wanted, but they left with what they needed. If you would please stand tonight. This is the truth in this story where Jesus encountered the one with the issue of blood. Jesus showed we are not too busy to meet needs. I love in this story, Jesus actually showed us more of what not to do and showing us what he did. In Jesus doing what he did in his example, he showed us more of what not to do. Jesus showed us we're not too busy to meet need. Jesus didn't turn over the need to the synagogue. Jesus didn't tell her she'll be in his prayers. How many of us have done that before? I'll pray for you later. I'll make sure you're on my prayer list. Listen, we just got to be careful. I know that we all do that, but maybe just stop in the moment and pray for him then so you don't tell him you'll pray for him and then forget later. Jesus didn't say, hey, I'll add you to my list. Jesus stopped in the moment. Jesus didn't tell her he'd be back later. Jesus met the need right then. I believe God picks you and me to meet needs that come before us. Listen, I'll tell you, it's not always easy to meet needs. It's sacrificial sometimes. Sometimes it's hard. And I, I'm going to tell you this. I know that we have a giving congregation. You, you in here in this place tonight, and those of you, I believe that you're a giver. I believe that you love the Lord. But I believe that many times, all of us, myself included, we miss opportunities because our eyes are on the wrong things. And the truth of all of this, going back to the thing I said earlier about people, is people, as crazy as we are in our ways, all people have the right to know Jesus. All people have the right to know the Father that you know. All people have the right to become an ex-drug addict, an ex-prostitute, 
an ex-adulterer. All people have the right to become an ex or a whosoever. But we have to take those opportunities and realize that we have to seize them before us. Because God gives them and we must seize them. Last thing this morning, I was walking out in the foyer and a sister that's here tonight, she stopped me in the foyer and she said, Pastor Chris, i got to tell you this story. A few weeks ago, some lady came to me with a need and it was a large need and I met the need. And I know this woman's situation and this was far beyond her means. And she said, I did something I really couldn't afford but I felt to do it. And then this person came back to them asking for money again and said, no, see, I know you want money, but that's not what you need. What you need is a job. I can give you money for a day or you can work and learn money for life. And so I'm going to tell you, you need a job. So she got this person to the Convoy of Hope outreach yesterday to the vocational services tent. And when she sat down at the tent, they looked at her qualifications and found out she is qualified. See, the devil will tell you you're not qualified, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, you can't make it anymore. And she sat down at this tent. And the vocational services sat with her and said, you know what, you're qualified in this area. So this week, you have an interview and training in this job, and it starts this week. See, sometimes they'll come to you for what they want, but because you being obedient and allowing the blessings to flow through you, you'll allow them to leave with what they need. Who wants to be a vehicle of God's presence in your life? Who wants to love people in a way that causes people to see what you got, your hands and your feet, and it gets them to Jesus? I don't ever want to be a part of the crew with Jesus walking to the woman at the well. And Jesus had to send the disciples to go get food because he knew that they were going to be against him talking to the woman at the well. I want Jesus to send away the other 11 and say, hey, Chris, you stay because I know you get it. I know you're going to love people. And see, listen, I'm not better than anybody else. I just realized one thing. Those that have been forgiven much, love much. Those that need forgiveness is gonna get forgiveness. And listen, I got a whole lot that I need forgiveness of in my life. I just am looking to forgive. I wanna walk into the streets and see somebody strung out, messed up, down and out, has no hope and say, you know what? I don't have every answer in the world, but I can tell you this, Jesus is the way of hope and faith and righteousness and eternity. I just wanna populate heaven and depopulate hell. I just wanna see people go to heaven that never otherwise would have gone, but because I wanna stand before him not going to heaven by myself. Can you see the picture of the people that are filling heaven's foyer because you were obedient? I don't want to pass the need to Pastor Gary. I don't want to pass the need on to another pastor and evangelist. I want to receive my blessing. If God puts it before me, I'm going to meet the need because I am the church. Can you say amen tonight? I want you to close your eyes and bow your head. I know this is heavy and this has been a lot because it's been in me a lot of years. Because I've been stealing some blessings from people and I don't want to steal blessings anymore. But before I talk about that, if there's anybody in the room that says, you know what, I need to get some things right with God. If that's you, just quickly slip your hand up. I need to get some things right with God. If that's you, real quick, slip your hands up. I need to get right with God. If you're raising your hand for that and you need to get right with God, I want you to quickly move from where you're standing and come down here to my left and your right. Come on, quickly. Some of you raised your hand and we have prayer partners that are going to pray with you right now about your very situation. Come on, down to my left and your right. I want you to come on, give them a hand tonight as they come. Let's celebrate that people are going to get their life right before God. That we want to be a conduit of His presence to people. I'm going to ask our prayer workers to come and pray with those right here to my left. But listen, church, I want us all to be a people. And I hope this didn't come across in a... A, con a condemning or a judgment away, but in a way to encourage you, to equip you to go out and do the work of the ministry. 
So church, I want us to mobilize. If you say right now, Pastor Chris, I want to be duly noted and knighted tonight in God's presence as being somebody who loves people, who reaches people. I want to be hope and help and love. I want to be the hands and feet. I don't want the sickle for the harvest of God's kingdom to rest in my hand because that sickle belongs in all of our hand. Jesus said go to everybody, not just pastors, not just deacons. He said for all of us to go into juveniles, all of us to go into prisons, all of us to go into the street, all of us to go into ministry. So all of us can do the work of the ministry. Amen? If one can set a thousand a flight, if two can set ten thousand a flight, can you imagine how many hundreds in this room can set a flight? So if you say, Pastor Chris, I want to move. I want to be the lover of people that you're calling tonight. I want you to move from your seats and I want you to come. In unity. The Bible says in unity they come in unity and they build up the kingdom. So I want you to come in unity tonight and us to stand here together and us to make a bond, a covenant, a commitment together. I want you to lift your hands on ask Pastor Gary to come in just a moment. He's going to conclude the service. But I want to give us an opportunity to move. I believe in movement. I believe in an action. Saying, Lord, I take a step out and say, I want this in my life. I want to be the hands and feet. Man, you got to love on people like someone's going to love. We're praying for sons and daughters to come home. We'll love on other sons and daughters and watch your sons and daughters come home. I'm telling you, when you get that vision and you start understanding what it's like to love people, something comes in and out of you every single time you walk into a situation or opportunity. So lift your hands tonight. I'm going to pray over you. Jesus, I knight this room right now. Every person under the sound of my voice and those watching online, Lord, that you would help us to love people. Lord, we've missed it. We all have missed it at some point. I've walked by a stranger. I've walked by somebody in need. I've walked somebody without smiling. I've walked by somebody without a hand into the heavens. But Lord, I pray tonight that you would help each one of us to see these moments with clarity. Help us to identify need. Help us to intersect. Help us to be a detour, a roadblock to people headed to hell. God, enable us. God, give us, Lord, I pray, a vision to see those that need you to come into a newness of life. I pray, God, that you forgive us where we've missed it. But, Lord, as right now, that's yesterday. That's behind us. Lord, from right now going forward, I pray that you help us and enable us, God, to be soul winners. God, to be life givers. To see those opportunities. To throw lifesavers to people. To reel them into the things of God. Help us to love people. Jesus, the way you love people. Jesus, you are perfection. Jesus, you are the role model. Jesus, you are the superhero. Help us, Lord, to fall in step with who you are and how you interacted with people in inconvenient times. God, help us to step out of ourselves. God, in those moments where we miss it, help us, God, to be corrected. Help us to see all of those around our world, oh God, in our city, our schools, our work, even in our church that sit on the same pew. Help us to see needs. In Jesus' name, I pray over this room and those online, in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody say amen, amen, and amen.
everyone, just slip your hands up. Everyone. Hallelujah. Just talk to Jesus right now. Come on, just talk to Jesus. Everyone watching online, everyone in this sanctuary, just talk to Jesus.
many are wanting more. We're pressing into him. Amen. Today has been a revelation throughout the day that there is more. And we've just got to move in Christ, get closer to Jesus. Amen. Make sure your prayer time, your closet time with the Lord is special. 
that it is intimate with Christ this week, I'm telling you, God is releasing something. We are in the midst of a, a mighty awakening. God is doing something powerful. We've got to keep pressing in. Amen. I'm ready for the Spirit to move in this generation. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want us to thank Pastor Chris for the word tonight. Amen. Powerful message. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, thank you. It's been a good day of worship, God, all day long. And we thank you for your presence. We never take for granted what we've experienced. And, Lord, may we take it home. May we take it out into the community where we live this week. God, may our witness be strong and our light be powerful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Find about five or six people. Hug somebody's neck. God bless you. Don't forget the prayer times this week.